Good afternoon, my name is Ikana Eruchalu and welcome to Less Traveled, a business and educational podcast focusing on the lifestyle and stories of young leaders who are pursuing really interesting things that align with their passions. And these passions can range from businesses to hobbies and skills. To introduce myself, I am a senior at the University of Pennsylvania, born and raised as a first generation Nigerian American. After graduating from Penn this spring, I will be working as an investment banker at Goldman Sachs in New York City. Jeffrey Murray is the founder and CEO of Doc Cards, a digital networking internet business that makes the experience of connecting with creatives, businesses, and people seamless. Today, we will be discussing his business, Doc Cards, experiences as a photographer and content producer for creatives. Okay, so let's talk about your background before Doc Cards. Some of our listeners may not know that you were a swimmer for almost 15 years. Also, you and I used to be rivals before becoming teammates at Swim at Carolina in Charlotte, North Carolina. So what exactly got you into swimming in the first place? Well, I guess both my parents swim in college, so it was kind of natural. You know, I tried out a couple of sports when I was younger, like, you know, football and track but uh swimming was always the one i was most drawn to you know because we had a lot of friends swimming with us and it was just a overall fun experience and look forward to going to practice more so about the social aspect and hanging out with friends as well as the competition was fun competing in meets and racing was always a good time yeah yeah and you know i I definitely do agree that racing was always a fun time that I thought we used to kind of get into it in some of the practices that we had, right? <laughs> For sure. But um, yeah, so that's really cool. So what were some of the most important lessons that you personally learned from the sport? I feel like overall it was just pretty physically and mentally challenging at times and kind of being able to do that with like a good group of friends made it like a lot easier and more fun. But definitely the discipline and and like the rigorous nature of the sport kind of really helped, you know, makes you more mentally and physically tough to be able to push through challenges and everything. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I definitely do agree. And then, you know, kind of on the back end of that, what would you say were some of your favorite experiences? Hmm, I feel like there are a ton. It's, pr- it's been a while now though. Yeah. Um, Junior Nationals was fun. Yeah, in Indianapolis, that was a good time swimming there. Yeah, the place, sure. the pool. That oh, was yes. fun. I feel like a big part that I really got out of it was like all the traveling we did at such a young age, kind of on our own without parents. Mm-hmm. I think that was really cool because like we were able to like you know get on planes and fly around a bunch just for like meets. We went down to like Florida and you know some some people went to California and just kind of all over for like just swim meets. And I felt like that was. At like a young age, that was pretty cool. Like traveling, like with a group and kind of with like more of a purpose, made it really fun and like I guess helped pique my interest in traveling and sort of all that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do agree. You know, on the traveling aspect, that was also something for me that was huge. I mean, yeah. the fact that you know we were able to fly across the country at times, right at like fourteen, fifteen years old, right, right. something that I feel like not a lot of people 
get to experience on the level of that. You know, the sole purpose that we were even traveling for the first place was just for competition. And right. I feel like traveling with the team and with, you know, everyone definitely kind of adds to the whole experience aspect of it too. For sure. Cool. And so, you know, um, so obviously, right, like you took swimming from the club level to the college level at uh, Georgia Tech. And so, you know, being a D1 swimmer in the ACC is definitely something that's not easy to do. So, you know, I was pretty curious, actually, to what kind of went into your decision to choose to swim and study at Georgia Tech. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was a couple of things. One, the school was pretty good for kind of what I wanted to study, which was engineering. So it kind of was kind of up there on good schools for engineering. That was definitely a consideration when choosing schools was, oh, if it had an engineering program that kind of you know, problem solving and getting into all that stuff. But like, sure. another big thing was definitely the location of Georgia Tech campus being right in the heart of the city of Atlanta. I think that was kind of also a big factor in choosing which uh, college I went to. You know, both my parents went to Virginia Tech and mm-hmm. I, as a kid, always wanted to go there. But then, yeah. you know, kind of as I grew up, I realized I kind of liked being more in the urban area and kind of being more in the city. Yeah. Kind of. And Virginia Tech's kind of more so like a small college town. The main attraction is the school, so I definitely grew out of that, kind of wanting that, and kind of Georgia Tech was a good um, alternative, especially given that they have a great engineering program and the location is sweet, being right in the city. Yeah, for sure. I definitely do agree that being in the city is definitely something that's a whole experience in itself. I mean, just being around so many, you know, lively things, it could be restaurants, random concerts you know random places to go with your friends right outside inside right like at some events i mean there's just endless things to do in a city right so i definitely do feel you on that and also atl is is uh definitely a pretty fun city too i mean i've been down there a couple times you know seeing you two a couple times down there i mean it's definitely a lot of stuff to be doing down there yeah, I think I think it's a great city. Um, definitely got a lot of stuff going for it. Music and the food, pretty good. You know, yeah. it's some good wings. So you were a uh, content producer and a skillful photographer as well. And photography is something that I personally find interesting. So I'm pretty excited to actually talk about this. If you could just kind of explain to some of our listeners and viewers, um, when did you first find your love? for photography yeah i mean i definitely remember when we got our first gopro and we were filming the longboarding videos back in your neighborhood like how long ago was that now like probably like seven years ago yeah i mean it's been a long time like probably like seven years yeah and yeah dude i mean pretty much i guess freshman year high school middle school right, right. yeah dude it's been a while it was definitely a, a good experience like kind of getting into filming and taking photos was getting the GoPro. Felt like it could do like everything. You could just strap it to your body, get all kinds of good angles and shots and kind of, you know, it offered a lot of like creativity, I guess. Yeah. And like experimenting with different like angles and placements and like doing time lapses and all that. I feel yeah. like it was super, a super good tool to kind of learn everything, kind of get into photos and videos kind of with all in one package it was a good experience for sure 
Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I definitely do remember all the experiences that we have with just, you know, taping the GoPro to our helmets, right? Yeah. And then just kind of following each other down some hills, right, for longboarding. And then also just, in general, just kind of wherever we would go, right, as a squad, just like a group yeah. of friends, just chilling, like, honestly. Yeah, yeah I remember I remember we went uh, cliff diving that one time. Oh, yeah. That was fun. Yeah, that, for sure. A few times, yeah, some good shots. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like we, we definitely went on, like, a lot of adventures as a kid. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, a couple times, right, like, jumping off, what, like, 30, 50-foot cliffs, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, and then, like, making some videos, too, of that. And then also, like you said, just other experiences that we had, just kind of doing a whole bunch of stuff, right? Just, like, going to a lot of places, having adventures as a kid, just kind of exploring the world and also kind of trying new things, I guess. Right? Yeah. Nice, yeah. And then I would also kind of be curious as to dig a little deeper into photography and content production. And, you know, obviously as a content producer in general, right, you are a creator of digital content that can be posted on any platform. That could be, you know, Instagram, social media platforms, could be more business platforms like LinkedIn, et cetera, or more so video focused platforms like YouTube, right? And so you've also kind of had some experiences working on that on the side. And I would be kind of curious to hear more about your experiences doing that. Right. Yeah, I guess a big thing that I kind of got into uh, back in 2018 was filming um, ads for e-commerce, people that were in e-commerce stores. Mm -hmm. Because back then it was starting to, you know, pop off and young kids were making like tons of money on the Internet, so, like selling, you know, products from China, like drop shipping. Mm -hmm. And kind of how I started to make a little bit of cash on the side was beforehand, I would post videos, you know, of us traveling, doing jumping off cliffs, doing like fun things like yeah. driving around and just filming pretty much a lot of stuff and a lot of content just of us having fun. And that kind of started to get some attention on like the platforms, you know, got a couple thousand followers, which felt like a lot back then and started networking through Instagram almost. I was getting put in like some groups with other people that were kind of had the same goals and passions and kind of these different like networking groups were kind of, you know, people were exchanging like some like tips and little like hacks to like get more engagement on your posts and like just simple stuff back in, um, this was back in high school. From those groups, I kind of learned a lot and made some connections with those um, e-commerce people that I was talking about yeah. that ran um, e-commerce sites and kind of sold products from China. Mm -hmm. And then I like, helped them like upgrade their brand by filming some promotional videos, some like, they're kind of hype, exciting videos, and it kind of that's kind of how I started to like generate a little bit of cash on the side and kind of really saw, kind of opened my eyes, I guess, to like how much money people are making online off selling like simple products that you would never think people would buy. You know, making ads for that kind of showed me like the potential that was there. Yeah, yeah, definitely e-commerce, right? You know, in yeah. the past five years has been something that has grown a lot as an industry. I mean, like you said, there's been so many people that have made fortunes off of drop shipping, right? And I guess exactly. that, you know, nowadays that market's pretty saturated. You actually had a bit of success uh, yourself too, right? In the uh, yeah. e-commerce uh, e space. So, I mean, like, like what was that? Like sophomore year of, of college, right? Yep, so back in like um, 2019, I think, halfway through the uh, year. So in the, around December, October. Yeah. So that was um, 
pretty good. You know, I, as I said earlier, I saw how much money people were able to generate just from selling like a simple product. So I went on, you know, AliExpress where you can go and find like cheap products straight from the supplier in China. And from there, I decided I was just like scrolling for a couple of days, just trying to decide on like what product I would sell. And I happened to find this like acne device that would, uh, it was almost like a vacuum for your pores and it would suck out all of your blackheads. Mm-hmm. And I figured that would be a super simple product to advertise because like it has an immediate benefit for the users and people like viewing the advertisement. So I knew I could market it pretty effectively and easy. So I, you know, the product, you'd get it from China for like $10 and I was able to sell it for like 32 to $40 on my own site just by adding some branding and kind of having a good marketing strategy to kind of show people why they needed the product or would want it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that's definitely pretty interesting kind of how you had to go through on like the back end, right? A lot of different platforms just to source the actual product itself and then use Shopify um, as well, right? And kind of code it in uh, your own little perks onto your site, right? Yeah, you know, it was more so about just trying to find a clean design that, you know, made the brand feel very like a high lifestyle brand to kind of, you know, add added some nice photographs I took some nice product shots, some people using it, some friends from like a great video to kind of showcase the benefits and features of the product. Mm -hmm. And then kind of directed them straight to the site and made it like extremely optimized. When someone would land on the site, it made the buying process very easy and, you know, like simple for the user. They didn't have to jump through a lot of hoops to just press buy on the product. It made it was very streamlined and simple. And that's why I feel like a lot of people bought the product. And I think I was able to, I think I ended up selling like, Six thousand, five, five to six thousand of them, and it was um, nice. It generated one hundred and forty thousand dollars in revenue over the course of like five to six months. Yeah, and that was like while I was still a full-time student doing engineering, swimming. Yeah, and the reason why it fizzled out was I started having finals, and I couldn't dedicate as much time there to really optimize, keep optimizing everything because it's kind of a constant battle when it comes to like drop shipping you kind of have to constantly be optimizing and trying to find new customers to buy the product and it's it's definitely a lot of work it's not the easiest thing out there but yeah, once you kind sure. of gain those skills it's kind of easy to duplicate but yeah so i was running that story getting seeing some decent success and then going into uh finals and then to the year in college i was in like five classes at the time and i had like five finals in one week so i had to shift my focus back to school and off of making that quick side cash and you know, really focus in on school and make sure I finish that up first before moving on to other ventures. And with that, I kind of had to leave the swim team as well, you know, after two years of being on the team, because it was taking up too much time. I, you know, it wasn't really worth it to stay swimming. You know, the time commitment was way too high. And I had a lot, I felt like I had a lot better uh, priorities to focus on at the time. All right. Yeah. So I totally get that decision to quit swimming. I mean, as you know, for me, I quit swimming around the same time just because I just didn't really have enough time to really be focusing on ventures outside of school, schoolwork, also, you know, swimming too. Just all three of those were too much to have on my plate in addition to recruiting for jobs as well because for my summer internship at Credit Suisse, my sophomore summer, doing 
investment banking. I mean, for that, I had to do a lot of work preparation, right? That took a, a lot of time, do courses outside of school as well. And just the fact that I would not have enough time and, and would be sometimes having to choose between going to practice or doing that or just doing practice over going to an interview it was just kind of too much for me. And I kind of looked at it as, okay, I'll be swimming for four years, but my career and ventures hopefully will last a lot longer than that. So I kind of made that decision for myself as you did it as well to just kind of really hone in on the things that really matter to you for the long term, right? So I definitely do feel that. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like it was good, but then it almost kind of outgrew the sport a little bit, you know. It was fun when we were young. I feel like it taught us a lot of things. We were able to learn a lot from it, you know. Like we said at the beginning, it kind of made us more like mentally tough and physically tough. Kind of instilled good values in us, I guess, in, at, to some degree. And like kind of, you know, taught us like, you know, the basics, you know, like time management skills, being able to stay organized. Because, you know, back when we were in high school, we were going straight from class to practice and then, you know, get home at like, it's already dark out and you have to start doing homework and studying to stay on top of your grades. So, you know, make sure you're getting a good college, but it, it was definitely like a, a grind for a while. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely get that. I mean, it's just uh, a decision that we have to make at times in our life to really focus on the things that matter to us. And sometimes that means saying goodbye to some of the things that we incorporated in our daily lives that were a big part of our lives at one point, but it's time to transition to doing something new. Speaking of doing something new, right? Let's talk about Dot. So you've been doing that for the past nine months. And, you know, for our listeners who are more curious about kind of how you started the business and the product and development, I would be kind of curious to hear about why you thought pursuing Dot and pursuing a business model in digital networking was the right path for you personally. Sure. Yeah. I mean, kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning with the photography and kind of networking through like social media, you know, I would I use Instagram as my platform to kind of show my work off to people. And like, if I was out taking photos or like at like some events taking photos, I wouldn't really have as much time to like give someone my Instagram or phone number, or email. I needed like a quick solution in this, you know, with my studies in computer engineering, kind of just stumbled onto this technology and realized how it could be really used to help people connect faster and share their contact info faster. Cause I would be taking pictures like downtown and out in the city. And someone would ask me for like my Instagram, like, Oh, like, where do you, do you post these? Like, I want to, I'd be interested in seeing them, you know? And I would have to like either like switch phones with them or like they would type it in my phone and which was just, you know, a little bit of an annoyance and kind of a little bit of a cumbersome interaction when I felt like it shouldn't be, you know, with technology fast, like business cards still felt outdated, but that need for connections and like sharing contact info was still definitely there. And really wanted to come up with like a modern solution to kind of really figure out what that looked like networking 
you know, in 2021. And also, you know, with Corona happening, the whole contactless business card thing just made sense. People didn't want to, wouldn't want to be exchanging phones anymore, let alone getting close to people. So just a quick tap is a little more sanitary, I guess, as well. Yeah, for sure. And definitely COVID has accelerated trends in terms of, you know, as you were just talking about contactless uh, transactions, right? And then I guess for DOT, right, that you use actually a particular technology. It's called near field technology, right? So yeah, near field communication in NFC. Yeah. Yeah, so I would would be kind of curious to hear more about that technology and kind of how you came to the decision to really pursue the continued development of that technology sure. as well. So basically, kind of, it kind of works in the same sense as like Apple Pay. It has a little uh, chip in the phone when you tap it to the Apple Pay when you're buying groceries or whatever. It um recognizes your phone's ID and sends the bank information wirelessly. And how the cards work is they have uh, basically almost like, it's like a coil inside, so it's almost like a wireless charger. And when your phone comes near it, it grabs the little bit of data that's on there. In our case, it's um, linked to our uh, dot profile, which is like a place where people can keep all their contact information. So when it gets tapped to the phone, that information about the dot profile is transmitted over and then you're able to view all their social media platforms, download their contact. And, you know, going into it, when Corona was happening, I was a little bit um, unsure if it, the product was gonna even sell because, you know, they're not anymore conventions, there's no networking events really, you know, people aren't going to bars as much as they used to. So that was like a, definitely a major concern when, you know, starting the business, going into that market. But, you know, I've seen, we've seen great traction and great results with a lot of people using it and buying it. And what the conclusion I've come up with is that small business owners and people in general are wanting a solution to networking for when they get back and they kind of want to be ahead of the curve when businesses do open back up and there are more in-person events and stuff like that. They kind of want to be prepared and ready for when that takes place. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And definitely as things start to open back up in terms of just bigger events happening, I could definitely see a product like Dot being very useful, you know, at right. these big trade shows that happen, also big events with celebrities and entertainment in general, right, that in the entertainment space, as you know, there's a lot of creatives that need to get their voice and their product, their work, right, out there. And what a more seamless way to do it than by using DOT, right? So I can definitely see that being a use case that is very valuable. Exactly, yeah. And so speaking of some of the use cases of DOT, right? So to my understanding, uh, there's different ways in which people can customize their, their DOT profiles, right? Because on DOT, anyone who has an account through any social productivity business platforms can put their own username on their dot right as like a digital id so i would be kind of curious to hear more about the different use cases and also the different platforms that are offered through your dot platform as well sure yeah we support all the major social media platforms kind of making it easy like one click to go and add them on social media and one of the benefits that we did was people just kind of enter all their information, phone number and email and kind of 
with the profile picture as well and the notes section, generate a custom contact file for every user. So it's almost like five seconds to download their contact and it's you know perfectly formatted with the profile picture, the exact like name and spelling and everything exactly how you want it. And that's on your phone and your contact. So it's you know a much more seamless process because I know myself when I'm networking, I always like put someone's name in wrong and my phone like misspell it and just never change it. And yeah. you know, that can like lead to not finding their contacts down the line. Yeah. A lot of stuff like that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And speaking more on the product development side of things, I would be kind of curious to hear about some of the biggest challenges that you had while going through the ideation phase, as well as the more technical product development phase as well. Sure. So, you know, developing the actual physical product wasn't too difficult because the NFC technology has been around for a while. People use it for like hotel keys and different apartment keys for parking garages and everything like that. And like colleges all use it for their student ID cards. The technology, you know, has existed for a while, but I guess taking that and making it into the application that, you know, we did with Dodd was, was just making that contact sharing more simple was not too difficult. I would say like on the technical side. But um, just, you know, obviously some challenges with like working with suppliers overseas there in like a different time zone, you know, their morning is our nighttime. So it doesn't seem like that big of an issue, but you know, when you're trying to go back and forth, you gotta either stay up late or like wake up early to try and keep in communications with them. And, you know, we ran into a couple issues with them, like misprinting some of our products and some of the packaging got like messed up. So we had to complain and get the replacements and all that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, we like worked through it and figured it out. And, been just smooth sailing since getting that you know supplier relationship set up because it's not the traditional where you go on amazon and just click order you really have to communicate with them and there's definitely a big language barrier communicating with these suppliers you know english is definitely not their first language and they're probably just translating every single message you send them so you really got to make sure you stay away from using catchphrases or stuff that wouldn't really translate right that like you got to really speak very literally and the words you send them, you know, they have to mean exactly that and have the main definition for all the words has to be clear. And being able to communicate with these suppliers is definitely a skill you kind of learn over time. And it's all been a pretty good process, you know, working with suppliers and trying to find the right ones. But it all worked out, definitely. Yeah, and I definitely do agree that communication is definitely big in any aspect of business and most importantly, right, as you just described here, that communication is even more important when you have to let someone know exactly what you want, right? Because it's not as easy to convey to someone else the big picture aspect of what you have in your mind. And that could be from a technical side of things of like, I want this particular design to be this way in terms of just some of the materials used or maybe the software used for the actual design process or maybe as you were saying from a more logistical side of things right letting the supplier know exactly what you need for the product how you want the product design when you want it shipped right and all that and so that's definitely something that i do think is very important as you also expressed as well and i actually do remember just kind of um, going back here at the end of last summer of summer of 2020 you were discussing with me some of the ways 
that you were thinking about growing the business and the acceptance of the product, right? And kind of gaining that critical mass. And it's definitely very exciting to see the development over time of your business and also you too, as you keep growing alongside with the business itself. And so in terms of growth and competition, right? I was kind of curious to, to see just first of all, actually, why you think for an internet business model, the shift away from SaaS, right? Just having a software as a service and having a subscription, right? Monthly, yearly, et cetera. And Dot actually doesn't have any subscription service. So was pretty curious to hear, you know, your decision to not make it more of a SaaS business. Right. Yeah. I mean, definitely I've seen a couple of competitors implementing some subscription models here and there selling these digital business cards. But I think the core features, you know, adding all of your information, be able to display it and customize it to how you like, shouldn't, you know, they're already paying $20 for a one-time purchase of the card. So having that access to like the back end and being able to like customize and make it their own, I think is really beneficial. You know, and that's maybe been one of the reasons for our success is that we're not trying to like nickel and dime people for every small little upgrade. If we were to release some kind of subscription model down the line, I feel like it would need to have enough features to justify charging people a couple dollars a month yeah. for because it would need to offer enough benefit to a business owner or something to where it's justified charging that. Like, you know, Shopify charges $30 a month for their basic uh, subscription model. But when you're selling like a ton of products and like, you know, there's a lot of money transacting, it's okay. You know, there's not, it's not, it's a, it's not really a question about whether you're going to want to pay that monthly subscription fee. It's like kind of like a no-brainer yeah. because it's like you're able to generate so much revenue just from using their platform and being able to optimize e-commerce sites and see everything and how that goes on. I feel like if Dot, if we were going to implement some subscription plan at any point in time, it would have to be a similar fashion to where it would justify. It would need to be a t help people make money and like help business owners, you know, expand their business and they would have to see a good enough value and, you know, paying like something like $5 a month for like an increase in features. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, that definitely makes sense that you have to justify uh, the actual charge and it will be interesting to see what other features uh, that you add on your platform. Have you actually considered any possible features that you may add down the line? Yeah, definitely. Probably keep a few of them secret for now, but I mean, a cool one that I've been um, playing around with this idea of like, tracking people that you've networked with and kind of like almost how LinkedIn does it, but doing it more in a being, being able to visualize that and what that looks like better. You know, on LinkedIn, you have, oh, this person's like three connections away from you. But I feel like if you could almost see like a tree or like a nest, like a net of all the people and how they're like connected together and how they kind of know each other, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Long-term big picture idea. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely be really cool. And then I guess that We'll see uh, which other features uh, you will be releasing in the next uh, software updates for Dot. And so, you know, also too, uh, Dot was a part of uh, the Georgia Tech's Accelerator program, right? And so I would be kind of curious to see what it's like participating in an accelerator at your own school. Definitely, yeah. It was like a, a couple month long program over the summer where we had like weekly meetings with some advisors from the school kind of that were in the venture capital space and kind of in the, you know, startup scene. 
we had like weekly guest speakers that kind of had their own startups or were on the like legal side of startups or on the venture capital side of startups and really helped us kind of get a full overall view of how growing a startup and scaling and starting your own business that kind of like works from the core. And also I think a great benefit that we got out of it was that whole like net, like kind of being almost forced to network. They put us in small little cohorts and like we'd have weekly meetings with and see like updates and how everyone was growing their business and, you know, kind of almost made it a little bit of like a competition. Yeah. And that was definitely like something that I enjoyed, you know, oh, did the other team's metrics increase or decrease this week? And, you know, the North Star metric and kind of like what everyone was thinking that they could get done in a week yeah. versus like how they, what they actually got done in a week was really, you know, motivating to kind of see other people were, you know, dealing with the same things you were. And like, there's always someone that if you had a question, they you could probably find the answer in a couple messages in exchange. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely do uh, see how the competitive aspect of it would definitely help considering that uh, you were a D1 athlete, right? So that's yeah. definitely something that definitely never hurts. A little competition definitely never hurts for sure. For exactly. Sure. Cool. And so um, after that experience, right, I do also remember that you actually had an article written about your business on Business Insider, right? And so I do also, I recall that that was a really big moment for you and Dot as well. And so would be kind of curious to see what it's like having your business be posted on a major platform like Business Insider. It was definitely cool seeing the article on the website, you know, kind of overviewing what all the, like, the uh, traction we've gained and kind of you know, how we're going to grow the company. But, you know, besides that, I feel like just growing as a business was great, like learning experience overall in general. And so also too, uh, for some of our listeners that may not know that you actually have some exciting news about the growth of the business. And I know that, that you may not be able to talk too many details right now, but you actually are in the process of closing your seed funding round for DOT, right? Yeah, it is exciting. And I'm not sure how much we can get into de- too much detail about it, but um, yeah, I did a couple of pitches to some investors and got some good answers and, you know, working with the legal team right now, probably finishing out the deal maybe even later today. So that's exciting. Yeah. And um, from that, hopefully be able to hire some people, bring some more people on board to kind of help develop out the back end and kind of add some more of those features that we were talking about earlier and grow everything from that and kind of just help expedite the growth and keep expanding and gaining more users and but the process of the investment was pretty different than I was expecting, you know? Really? In what I thought way? it's um, more so about like telling a story and kind of selling your vision to these uh, investors and kind of helping them understand where you're coming from and why you think through certain things. And, you know, the investors themselves are really, you know, you know, you have them when they start like daydreaming with you is what they say. <laughs> so like when like you guys are just coming up with ideas together on like a Zoom call, you kind of know that the investors kind of sold on your idea and is excited with you on what you're trying to do with your startup and they're on board and want to help invest and help help you grow so then they can you know make some more money on the back end yeah when the company uh, you know either gets sold or ipos and kind of what the process looks like is with it's called a safe note and it's a way of cementing the funding so the investor is basically wiring you the money in exchange for a promise that in, when you have a new fundraising round that they have the first seat to lock in their price early. And if the price goes up in the first round of funding, then they still lock in their price and get it at the same value that you initially agreed upon. 
So it really helps you because I don't know if you know, but when you're going through a round of fundraising and you set an actual value for the company, it's a lot of legal around there. And you have to like set up a lot of, um, there's a lot of lawyer fees associated with actually legally declaring a value for your company. So this safe note offers uh, founders a faster, easier way to get uh, funding and capital. So I guess the safe note, right? It kind of takes out some of the peripheral expenses that are associated with actually closing a funding round, exactly. right? Yeah, it kind of makes the whole process a lot more seamless and definitely a lot less places where it can go wrong because yeah. you know investors, they can just cancel their deal anytime and it's a very stressful time. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, I can definitely see how it can be very stressful and kind of digging more into the fundraising process, right? So sure. I would be kind of curious to, to also hear about um, some of the most important things to you that you considered when you were searching for an outside investor in your business. So, yeah. So the best way to find an investor first is just through networking. You know, the best intros you can get with an investor is from a founder that they've already invested in. So if you, you know, research a bunch of companies and see like other startups, which an investor that you're kind of looking for, kind of excited about, you know, trying to like talk to at some point, if you, if you want to talk to them, the best way is to get to know the founder of a company they've invested in. And then, you know, ask them, ask the founder, oh, can you like intro me to this investor? I think he would be interested in investing in my startup as well. And I think that's the, probably the best way to go about getting intros to investors because you know, cold emailing an investor, you're probably not going to get a response. Yeah, makes sense. You know, they're very busy. So, that you know, you really got to stand out from the crowd. And like a good way to do that is through founders introducing you. And just networking in general is very much so adamant in the startup uh, scene. And it's basically like, who do you know? And kind of like who can connect you? There's not really much more of a process than that when it comes to like finding your ideal investor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely makes sense that that it's better to be introduced to someone through someone who's already in their network, right? And I guess that's also kind of why the networking experience, right, is very is very huge and important in the business world and also from a productivity standpoint, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely networking is very important, you know, in all types of business, all types of like lifestyles. I feel like at a core, most human interactions, you know, come from networking and you know, growing your network is very important, I feel like, and who you know and kind of who can like help learn stuff from other people and mm-hmm. help grow with other people, you know, having other people that are in your life that are very interested in the same things and kind of, you know, have the same mindset as you are, I feel like helps a ton when it comes to like growing as a person and growing in business and in general, like having people that have the same, you know, mindset and vision that you have is, is definitely really important in life. Yeah, I definitely do agree that people in your network will be the ones that will help you learn new skills, meet new people um, through their own network, right? Or through people that they may have contacts through other people, right? Or just in general, just uh, people that can have good influences on your life, right? Because like you said, too, I definitely do agree with this point that at the core of any human experience, right, is networking. It's the process of meeting new people, forming new connections, and going from there just based off common interests or common things that you and someone else may also enjoy doing. Could be hobbies, could be you two maybe having an idea, starting a business, right, or just any anything, right? 
And so I definitely do also agree that the human experience is definitely rooted in the networking experience as well. And, you know, transitioning from this here, this is actually a question that I ask all my guests. Uh, and so I would be kind of curious, actually, to see how you personally define success. You know, I feel like everyone has their own definition when it comes to what succeeding is, but definitely um, just being overall generally happy and, you know, having a good life and having fun, I feel like is the freedom of not having to work every day. And it's kind of what I would define as success, you know, reaching a level to where, you know, I can wake up and not have to worry about like most basic things, you know, just being able to have that freedom to travel and do the passions that I enjoy, like photography and video, I feel like is definitely what I would define as success. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely do agree that, you know, travel is definitely very important, right? I mean, I also love to travel as well, you know, definitely trying to travel some more in the near future and also continue to travel down the line as well. Um, but nice, nice. And before we wrap up here, uh, is there any way for our listeners and viewers to reach you and your business dot online on the web or through any social media platforms? Sure. Yeah. Our website is the word dot and then actual dot and then direct. So that's our e-commerce site. That's where you can go and purchase a dot if you're interested. And um, our Instagram page is dot dot cards. If you want to go check out our social media, we have a, a lot of great photos and demo videos of how our product works. So yeah, yeah check us out there. Yeah, for sure. Definitely check them out. And I will also link the Business Insider article and the social media handles also in the show notes. But all right, Jeffrey, uh, that's great. And just want to thank you again for your time today. And I'm definitely excited to see the continued development of DOT and where that business will take you and also the new features that you will offer on that platform. And I also look forward to seeing kind of how you grow alongside with your business, right? And seeing how far you can take this idea of making the networking experience more seamless. And also, please don't forget to subscribe to Let's Travel on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts if you want to listen to more stories on young leaders and young hustlers. Well, thanks again, Jeffrey, and I look forward to uh, talking again sometime soon. Definitely. It was great talking. All right. I'll be in touch. Yep. Sounds good. Mm -hmm.